lot of cards and gifts over the last uh, couple weeks, and uh, we can't thank you enough. Uh, we uh, just thank you. <laughs> I just I can't say much more. Uh, you're 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 a blessing to us, and uh, it's it's easy. You know, one of the ways that uh, they taught they told us in Bible college. You know how you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. <laughs> and, and so often that's true, but I tell you, uh, with this, it doesn't, doesn't feel like work. So we're just going to get there together, amen? amen. All right. Hey, we're going to jump in. Uh, Ted said you all were a, a, a wild clapping bunch. I said, that's all right. I might take care of that here in a minute. Uh, <laughs> We are going to continue our look at the, uh, almost said gifts of the Spirit, at the fruit of the Spirit. You know, it, it's funny, over the past, the last three series we've done here has all, all been about what the Holy Spirit produces in us. You know, we looked at the gifts of the Spirit and how He produces the gifts of the Spirit. And we looked at <coughs> uh, tongues in the believer and how He is the, he is the giver. Amen. And so he produces that in our life. And so well, uh, the Holy Spirit just led me straight into here. And so what we want to do is cover uh, the fruit of the Spirit uh, because, remember, we're going to look at some verses, but I'll, I'll just say it now rather than saying it later. It's the fruit. Everybody say fruit. fruit. Not fruits. Not fruits. You know why it's not fruits? Because this is not a bunch of little different fruits the Holy Spirit produces. He produces, a, you don't go to an apple tree and expect to get oranges. Right? When you go to the apple tree, you pick apples off of it. The Holy Spirit is that seed of God that lives on the inside of you. He doesn't produce multiple things. He produces one thing. It's His fruit. And His fruit encompasses all of these things that we're going to cover. So what are they? Let's go to Galatians chapter 5 and we'll look at it. Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse, uh, starting in verse 22, the New King James puts it this way. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I'm just waiting. Where's everybody's clapping right there? Uh, I ain't clapping now. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control. And he says against these nine things, if we operate in these nine things, it says against such there is no law. That means there's, when we let, allow him to produce these things in our life, there is absolutely no law that can be held against you. Now we know Jesus redeemed us from the law and the curse of the law. But there's a lot of other things that, that, that people can make accusations and everything else against you. But if we allow the fruit of the Spirit to operate in our lives, there is even not accusations that could hold up against you. Hmm. Go to verse 24. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh. Well, how did I crucify my flesh? Well, we raised our hands in here last week. It says those who are Christ's, and you know, all the hands went up. It says, you have already crucified your flesh. You don't have to continue to do Well, how did I crucify my flesh? In Jesus. Jesus became the man. He became the flesh who took on the sin and took it all and put it on the cross. Well, then why do I still find myself doing stupid stuff and sinning and everything else? Because you won't live in the reality that your flesh is already crucified and you don't have to do it. <laughs> Your flesh has already been crucified. He says it there. He says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. With its passions and desires. Now, verse 25 is very important. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Big difference here. You can live in the Spirit and not walk in the Spirit. Come on. Or they wouldn't read this way. 
So what happens is, is if I'm doing out here and I'm doing all these things that are contrary to the fruit of the Spirit, in, especially in that area of my life, I am actually not walking in the Spirit. I live in the Spirit because my flesh has been crucified. Salvation is my reality. I've accepted it. It's mine. It's settled. That is settled forever, okay? But just because I live over here in the Spirit doesn't mean I'm always walking this out. Like last week, we looked at love, and it got a little deep. Now, let's just remind ourselves real quick. not going to spend a lot of time here, and we're going to jump into the next one here. The word fruit is something which is produced. I love this. <clears throat> Y'all just about saw me pass out on a cough drop. <sighs> that one went down sideways. Fruit is the product of seed fertilized and grown. When we have Holy Spirit, the seed of God planted in us, and we fertilize it with our obedience, and we fertilize it with what he's got us, then that seed begins to produce things in your life. And what it should be producing is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, gentleness. You know? So that's the seed. He's the seed, and that's what he should be producing in our lives. But sometimes we don't fertilize that seed. We don't spend time in the Word. We don't spend time in prayer. Just keep looking straight ahead. We don't spend time in worship. Oh, we'll come to church and enjoy good music. But is our worship that way at home? Do you have worship time? Do you have praise time? Do you See, all of that does is that continues to fertilize that seed. And when that seed continues to be fertilized, he begins to produce things in your life and he sets you up to where there's no law, no accusation, nothing that can ever be held against you. Man, that's a pretty easy life. That's, that, that's a pretty easy life. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 10. Modern English says it this way. In Isaiah 3, verse 10, it says, Say to the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Oh. You will eat the fruit of your deeds. We talked about Old Testament. What did you, you name this? Old Testament realities. You will eat the fruit of your deeds. He says it in Proverbs. He says, you'll eat the fruit of your lips. Your belly will be satisfied with the, with the fruit of your mouth. In other words, the confessions and the words that come out of your mouth is what will fill your life. We're going to cover that coming up real soon. Um, look at verse 11. He, he says, woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given to him. And if you read on, if a righteous man does righteous things, he'll eat righteous fruit. And if a wicked person, or even if a righteous person sows into wickedness, well, let's just look at that. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I'm, I'll wait for you to turn, flip, and flop, however you're getting there. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that's what he reaps. So what you put out there and what you plant is going to grow. And when it grows, that's why sometimes, let's go back to words. That's why sometimes we have a tendency to say stupid stuff. What do you mean? I'm dumb, I'm ugly, I'm worthless. I'll never get it. I'll never understand it. I'll always be this. And, and we turn around and we look at our lives and we're like, why am I such a mess? Why am I such a wreck? What have you been declaring over your life? What you sow is what you reap. If Amy takes Luke and tells him he's worthless and he's dumb and he's blah, 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 all this stuff, I know she doesn't do that. That's why I can come over and say it. Um, and, and she declares all this stuff to him. She's putting words in him. She will plant in him. And then what he'll end up doing is he will say the same things about himself. And what begins to grow is a seed that she planted, but one he starts to fertilize by his own words. 
So be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that's what he reaps. Verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh, wicked nature, shall from that flesh reap corruption, destruction. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap the God kind of life. That word, therefore, eternal life is Zoe. It's the kind of life that God enjoys. So if I sow to my spirit, that's what I reap. But if I sow to this dead, nasty, stinky zombie that I still have to carry around until either he says to lay it down or he comes to take me out of it and transform it, then I'm going to have to pay attention to what I sow into it. I can either sow into the spirit and reap the God kind of life from the Spirit, or I can sow to this nasty thing and reap the benefits of what it says. You know? And, and here's the thing. There are so many religions and, and theo- not theologies, so many religions and ideas and, and, and theories that have picked this up over the years. But see, when we start hearing this stuff, Dr. Ruth, we start thinking, well, you're talking this new age stuff now. People say, well, you're part of the name it and claim it bunch. I'm not, God is. And he said, and it was. 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 And he said, all of creation is a result of God sowing the seed of word I don't know why I'm in this now, but you might as well take it. All of creation is a result of God sowing word and reaping reality. You didn't hear me. All of creation is a result of God sowing word and reaping reality. And he said, let us make man in our image. Let us make him reflect my nature. Let us make him after our image. In other words, he said, let us make man just like me. And the word says that he came and he breathed into man and man became a living soul. But you go back to the earliest writings of that. He didn't say he became a living soul. He said he became a speaking spirit. Hmm. Man was created to be a speaking spirit. Why? Because we couldn't be like God if that wasn't how we were made. Because how did creation, how did seeds sow reality? So he made you just like him so that the seeds of your words, come on, creates reality. We'll, We'll get into this later. I just don't know why, but some of you need to go back and curse Some of the words you've spoken over your life. You need to go back and declare these things to die in the ground that you have planted them. And you need to replace that seed with the seed of the promises of God in your life. Because your words sow and they will produce reality. And all of us get it wrong. All of us have bad days. And we say these things over our lives. Well, I don't believe it, name it and claim it. You can't believe creation's here then. It's how it got here. <laughs> it's how it got here, by the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. The Word's there. <laughs> All right, try to get back on to our next fruit. somebody needed that this morning so just take it and run amen the fruit of the spirit is love we covered last week today I want to cover joy oh yes joy finally what is joy joy is the fruit Holman Bible Dictionary says joy is the fruit of being right in relation with God. Joy is the fruit of being in right relation with God. Okay, but I know D, and that's the hapless thing that ever walked on two legs. 
Well, then maybe her relation with God isn't where it needs to be. Ooh. So hopefully we're, we're doing inventory real quick. Joy is the fruit of being in a right relation with God. It is not something people can create on their own efforts. You cannot create joy on your own efforts. You can create happiness because, heck, the Word says that there's even pleasure in sin for a season. And that's a definite, Rachel, result of my own effort. Give the devil blame. Nope, give him Brent blame. Brent did what he wanted to do, knowing it was good or bad. Come on. Joy is the fruit of being in right relation with God. It is not something that people can create on their own efforts. So we got to settle in ourselves right now. We cannot create joy out of our own efforts. Are you still with me? So then where's joy going to come from? First, let's finish what joy is. Webster in his 1828 dictionary said, Joy means to rejoice, to be glad, to exalt. It is a delight of the mind from the consideration of the present or assured approaching possession of a, of a good. In other words, joy comes from faith. Now faith, now see if this doesn't sound like that. Hebrews 11 and 1, faith is a substance of things, the evidence of things not seen. When I begin to trust God and I begin to have faith in God, whether I have the good in front of me now or not, I'm still believing that that good is on its way. And when I know that good is on its way, I can be joyful no matter what hell has come in my life. I can be joyful. It's not my own efforts. The only effort, Amy was singing it up there today, the only effort I put forward is to trust him, to start declaring things, to sow the seeds of my words. The only effort I have to put forth is to lay back, rest, trust him, let him take care of it all. And now I'm not living on happiness because happiness is circumstantial. I'm happy when something good happens to me, and when something bad happens, I'm not happy. It's happenstance. I heard somebody just say that. It's happenstance. So the circumstances determine happiness. Joy, you have nothing to do with. The only way to allow this joy to come in is to get completely settled in the presence of God and allow Him to take care of everything. Amen? Some of you have heard me tell the story, and I think I just told it uh, several weeks ago, of Dee and I trying to get out to a Winter Bible Seminar at Ramah. And a, a big thing came up and took all the money we had, saved and put back for to go. She said, what are we going to do? I said, well, I worked night shift in the hospital then. I said, I'm going to bed. She said, what do you mean? I said, i got to leave here at midnight. She said, we've got no money. I said, I'm still going to bed, and we're still leaving here at midnight. She said, okay. Well, she went around and did things that she needed to get done through the day. And so by the time she woke me up, she came in and said, look. She had gotten, and not, she didn't go begging for money. We didn't tell nobody we needed money. She had collected more money than we had to go. I didn't lose joy. See, when you're walking in this kind of joy, you can lay down and go to sleep in the midst of chaos because you know that, the, that God has got your back. You know that God's taking care of things, and you can go, this is nice because it's not based on your circumstances. Too many times, too many times believers want to operate on their circumstances and not on on the realities of God that will produce. Mm. Circumstances change. Go to Nehemiah chapter 8. You all knew this scripture was coming. Don't act like you didn't. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. Then he said to them, Nehemiah 8 10. Then he said to them, Go your way, 
eat the fat, drink the sweet drink. In other words, God wants you to enjoy life. Oh, come on. I know that you don't hear that in church very often. Well, God says don't do this and don't do that. God said go ahead and enjoy life. I made this life, I made this world, I made everything on it for you. Go ahead and have a good time in it. That's why, why do you think it was called paradise in the beginning? He said, so go ahead, eat the fat. Mm, I love the fat on a steak. Linda does too. Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Uh, here's a command. You ready? Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You want to know where joy comes from? It's when you allow God to be everything and you're all in all. You're not basing what you got by circumstances. You're not basing on whether everything's working out right for you. It's when you sit back and say, I know my God will supply my needs according to his riches and glory. I know that he said all things work together for good. But this terrible thing I'm going through, how's he going to? He didn't say everything was going to be good. He said he will find the good in whatever you're going through and will bring it out for you. He will go through the rubble and the muck and the mire and he will find the thing that you need to get you over and to set you on top. And all you have to do is get in his presence. And all you have to do is bow down. And all you have to do is worship and then joy comes. It doesn't matter if the chaos comes in around your ears. There's joy. He said in his joy, his joy, his joy is what makes you strong. Ah. This is how you can tell if a person's walking in the fruit of the Spirit. They'll be walking in perpetual joy. You'll see them up more than down I've told you all the story of a pastor friend of ours I've seen him go through horrible awful things and the first time you walk up to him how's it going and you know what's going on he'll go praise the Lord he said God's good and that's, that's all he ever says because he's settled in joy I've, I've, I've yet to see now I didn't say he didn't hurt I didn't say things didn't bother him, but I've never seen him not in joy. I'm not talking about happiness. See, joy will cause you to always find the hope. Joy will cause you to always find the hope. And when you can always find the hope, you'll always be strong. And when you can always see the hope, well, I can't always see the hope. It's just because you're not looking. Because he stands right in front of us with his arms open wide and said, hey, come on over here. Climb up on daddy's lap and let's talk about it because I'm working things out that you can't even see yet. I'm doing something that you don't know. And when I, and when I start to trust him, when I really start to trust him, I go, I don't care. Let it all burn to the ground then. Let it burn, man, because I know I'm coming out of this. I know that he will not leave me or forsake me, but he promises to go with me to the very ends of the earth. Let it come. Come what may, let it come. I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Let it come. See, that's where joy comes in. <laughs> you can tell when they're walking it out. Because instead of looking for what they've lost, they're looking for what's coming. And you can tell when they're not walking it out is because they look around and all you hear them do is complain. A complaining person is not a joyful person. A person who always sees the wrong who always wants to talk about how bad it was and how wrong it was and how they don't agree with it. And I, I know that's none of you. 
That's a person who's walked away from joy. Mm, come on. And if they're not walking in that perpetual joy, then they're not walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Not walking after the Spirit is to walk after the flesh. And if I walk after the flesh, I will sow to the flesh, and from that flesh I will reap destruction. Go to Psalm 16. Go to Psalm 16. Are you with me this morning? You will make known the path of life. I'm in verse 11, sorry. You will make known the path to me, the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Your right hand, there are pleasures forever. That's what God has for you. In his presence is full of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. David said that the thing that would bring him joy is God's presence. And we can observe in ourselves that if we truly aren't walking through this joy, one of the biggest revelations is we're not walking in his presence. Because if we were in his presence, my joy would be full. If I was in his presence, then I would be overtaken with joy, not happiness. Because not everything makes me happy, Greg. But when I'm in his presence, see, joy, it won't let you. Now, hang on. Let me, let me first predicate this. I'm not talking about medical condition. I'm talking attitudinal here, okay? Walking in God's presence is full of joy, right? David said, if I'm in your presence, I'm full of joy. If I'm walking in this, guess what you can't find yourself doing? You can't find yourself getting depressed. Now, I'm not talking the kind of depression that, that's medical. I'm talking about an attitudinal depression. Anybody ever got your attitude depressed? Gloom, despair. Deep, dark depression. If it weren't for bad luck, gloom, despair. Everybody under 35 right now is going, what are these people doing? <laughs> if it weren't for bad, see, an attitudinal depression comes is when I look at what's going on and I fail to see Jesus' promise that he will work all things out for my good. I'm telling you, it's, everybody in this room right now could sit and think of ways your life could be better. Amen? But I can't focus on that because when I focus on that, now I'm in the presence of trouble and chaos. And in trouble and chaos, there's only depression and sadness. But when I'm in the presence of God, in His presence, there's fullness of joy. Sometimes, folks, this thing of, of producing joy in your life is as simply as fixing your focus on the right thing. It's that easy. And your focus gets off. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 11. It probably says 11 and 12 up there, but I'm not going to read 12. He said, verse 11. Of John 15. He says, I have spoken these things to you that my joy may remain where? God's not wanting you to walk on your joy. Joy is not something you can produce. Jesus says, I'm telling you all this stuff so that my joy would be in you. Sometimes we're trying to make ourselves joyful by if I can just get everything right in my life. Well, welcome to earth, baby. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> things happen things go wrong things blow up cars break down basements flood <laughs> you know see if I'm waiting on that to give me joy I'm in bad shape because I'm only trying to find happiness 
See, joy will say, joy will cause me to walk into the basement with water to my knees and say, all right, God, you got me here. Not that God made your basement flood. <laughs> but God, you've brought me here so far. You've got to get me through this too. You've got to understand that he's going to make a way. And when I understand that there's always a way, Deb, then I understand I can be in joy. So why worry about this? I'm just going to go get in his presence. I'm going to go spend time with him rather than crying over what's going on right now. He said, I told you all these things, that my joy may remain in you so that your joy would be full. Go, just go over a page or two to chapter 16. I don't know how your Bible set out. But John chapter 16, verse 23. I love how the Passion Translation puts it here. He says, on that day you will ask me nothing. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Well, glory to God. Verse 24. I bet you didn't know that promise was in there. But you ask according to his will. Until, until now you have asked me nothing, asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive. Why? So that your joy would be full. I'm standing in water to my knees. God, I need help here. And you said if I come to you and I ask that you would supply my needs. And so God, I'm going to stop looking at what I'm losing. And I'm going to start thanking you for making a way. And God, I praise you that you've always made a way. I praise you that you've always been there. You've never let me down. You went out and fought my war before I ever had to go and fight it. He called it my victory. You said, hey, good job. You won a war. And I'm going, what did I do? Why? So that your joy, God wants you. He wants you to have those things, and he wants you to be full of joy. God, God never intended for his believers to sit back and be bleh. And if you are, maybe you're looking at the wrong things. It's easy. Everybody say easy. easy. To be negative. It's easy. That, Pastor Dave, that takes no work at all, man. That, takes, that is no effort. But when I'm standing in the mess, and I'm looking for my God, and I'm praising Him in the deep, ugly things that I've gotten myself into and all of a sudden I forget that I'm standing in the mess and I find myself dancing and I find myself rejoicing all of a sudden I'm not basing anything I've got on happenstance I'm looking past that thing and we need to allow him to rule in our lives because joy is strengthening you Joy will keep you going when you feel like you want to quit. And joy will cause you to look ugly in the eye and say, your time's coming. <laughs> so why don't we always experience this? Because we walk in things that hinder our joy. Not the enemy. Not the devil. So I want to give you two or three things here that that I believe hinders our joy and will hinder our joy. And the first one is selfishness. What do you mean selfishness? Because I want everything in my life to work out perfect all the time. I want it easy. I want it to go good. I want to be comfortable. I want to have everything. I don't want trouble. I don't want strife. I don't want all this stuff. See, what am I doing? I want, I want, I want, I want. And if I don't get what I want, I'm going to get mad and I'm going to whine and I'm going to cry and I'm going to blue hoo and I'm going to blow snot and I'm just going to get mad at everything around and all of a sudden my joy is gone. Why is my joy gone? You said I could have joy because you spent more time in the muck than you did at the worship house. Your throne room. Why? Because I'm selfish. Because I'm selfish and it's not going my way, daggone it. Yeah. 
Y'all still good? Selfishness is this. It's regarding one's own interest, chiefly. In other words, it's all about you. It's all what I want. Churches are full of this. Well, that's not the decoration I want. That's not the type of music I want. That's just not what I want. I didn't want it to. Mine and Bob's favorite thing. It's not the way we've always done it. And if it's not the way we've always done it, I don't like it. Selfish. Selfish. Let's go over here. It's selfish, Aaron. It's all about me. And when my life becomes all about me, I will only be glad when it's all going my way. And so selfishness will rob me of joy that I'm claiming to to let the Holy Spirit walk in my life. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Anybody ever heard of the voice translation? Man, I love that one. If you can tell, I like them all. (laughs) I can find something good in all of them, Greg. He says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and I'm reading from the voice. He said, don't let selfishness and prideful agendas take over. Embrace true humility and lift your heads to extend love to others. In other words, when I'm beginning to look out for others, why, well, how can I do that? Because I know God's already looking out for me. Rachel, I don't have to look out for me when I know he's doing it. So while he's doing my thing, I'm going to help Jody in her thing. And all of a sudden, my life is not being lived for my own well-being. I'm trying to live it for someone else's. And if I can make her well-being better, then all of a sudden I realize, oh, man, I'm in the presence of God. God is using me to bless her. And all of a sudden, joy comes. And then all of a sudden, I turn around and walk around and say, oh, somebody cleaned up my mess. And my father comes to me and says, good job cleaning up that mess. What I do? What I do? Verse 4. Get beyond yourselves. And protecting your own interests. Well, I can't tithe. I need that money. Everything went. (laughs) Selfish. Well, I can't. I can't give this to them because then I won't have it. And I like this thing. This is fun. Listen, had a lady come to me, and you've heard this story. Had a lady come to me, she said, I need you to drive me to the ball game tonight. I coached her son. And I said, okay. So she gets in. She said, you and Dee can sit up front. So we're driving. And she starts telling this story about somebody in church was talking about sowing and giving and, 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 and how their, their wife gave away jewelry and, and, and God just gave them so much jewelry back because, you know, what you sow. So I thought, oh, man, she's getting ready to lay some big diamond on Dee. I'm going to wonder how I can sell this. <laughs> I wouldn't sell it. And I thought, she's getting ready to lay something on Dean. And she said, so God started dealing with me, and I went home and talked to my husband. And she said, he's going to be at the game tonight. I said, oh, good. He didn't get to come very often. She said, when he does, here's the title to this car. This is yours. Now, the one we were driving, a lot of people didn't know this, I would stop about every five miles and put water in the tank because it was, had a leak, it would blow smoke. And she said, well, this car is yours now. I'm like, praise God. So you know what we prayed for her? God to give her a car. Because what you sow, mm-hmm. So he says here, He said, go beyond yourself and protecting your own interests. Be sincere and secure your neighbor's interest first. 
You want to walk in this joy? You want to have this kind of joy? Walk it out. Be able to look at others and do more for them. rather. Than, and if God says give it away, give it away. And if God says, I think so-and-so needs that, but that's my favorite toy, God. Isn't it funny that we teach kids to share? But as adults, when God says, I want you to sow into so-and-so's life, I want you to begin to tithe. I want you to begin to sow into the church. We're like, hold on, wait a minute. As a father, I wouldn't let my kids do that. Come on. Listen. Yeah, but what if, it's, what if I don't get it fast enough? Who's going to put a time limit on God? We were at a conference a few years ago in Kentucky. And uh, Reese had just bought this nice watch that he liked. And he said, I think I'm going to put that because there was a, 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 a prophet there from Argentina or somewhere. Reese was like, I'm going to put my watch in, in the offering, Dad. Okay, is that what God's telling you to do? He said, yeah. Son, that seed's still in the ground. And what you sow, you reap. Don't give up on the seed because it hasn't happened yet. And don't give up on God thinking it don't work because it happened. Sometimes it takes a while for seed to grow. Nobody plants it and goes back out tomorrow and reaps. Sometimes it happens. Like chia pets. <laughs> but more often than not, you know what I do? I wait for that thing to produce. Well, I don't want to get down and depressed waiting on it. Then you need to continue to help your neighbor according to this. Because when I do, I'm working and I'm getting into God's presence. And in his presence is fullness of joy. Go to James chapter 3. I'm trying, guys. Y'all still good? Okay. The selfishness. Look at verse uh, James 3, verse 14. And again, I'm reading out of the voice. If your heart is one that bleeds dark streams of jealousy and selfishness, holy smokes. If your heart is one that bleeds dark streams of jealousy and selfishness, do not be so proud that you ignore your depraved state. That's some harsh words. <laughs> And I wonder why I can't find joy if I'm in a depraved state. Verse 15, the wisdom of this world should never have been mistaken for heavenly wisdom. It originates below its earthly realms with, its de with demons. Any place where you find jealousy and selfishness, selfish ambition, sorry, you will discover chaos and evil thriving under its rule. So where I am more worried about my stuff. Does anybody know why what happened to Job happened to Job? We think, well, God just let the devil get him. If you go to Job chapter 3, you'll find the reason. The very things that happened to Job happened to him. He says, that which I have greatly feared has come upon me. That which I was selfish of. I was afraid of losing. I was afraid of giving up and I would work hard to make sure all my good stuff was secure. And you can't find joy in that. And if you can't find joy, guess what else you don't have? You don't have strength. You're weak. Because Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh my goodness. So selfishness well, it, it, it'll bring you a moment of happiness, but it won't give you lasting joy. Let's move on. That's selfishness. Now, hold on. It gets, it gets better. I think the next thing that causes us to lose joy 
and this is where everybody should just look straight ahead and just, is bitterness. When you carry bitterness, you cannot find joy because it won't let you see past the hurt. Bitterness will never let you see past the hurt. And if you can't see past the hurt, you miss Jesus standing there saying, I'm working things out. Trust me. Come over here and get in my presence. Leave that stuff behind. I'll take care of it. You won't even know it. You'll think you did it somehow. Start looking, start looking for somebody else's goodness. Start looking for somebody else's benefits. Start looking to help. Start looking to sow. Start looking to give. Bitterness will stop you from living in joy. What is bitterness? Bitterness is extreme enmity. Bitterness is grudge. Man, it's quiet here. Bitterness is hatred. Bitterness is sharpness. Everybody good? Bitterness is severity of temper. Well, I'm just hot-headed. That's the way I am. That's why you're not walking in joy. Well, I'm red-headed. Don't give me that. <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> the color of your hair has nothing to do with it. It's a choice you make. Temperament is a choice that you make. Okay. <laughs> All of these things, that's bitterness. And so today, if you're dealing with enmity with someone, you know, deep-seated mutual hatred. The kind of, I'm talking about the kind when you're walking through the aisle at Walmart. Ooh, they didn't see me. Let me go over here because if I look at them, I don't know what I'll say. I don't know what I'll do. I don't know. And all of a sudden, you're saying, oh, man, I can't believe I have to look at them again. I see them out. And all of a sudden, what are you doing? You're digging that mess back up again. And when you dig it up, you're going to start looking at the hurt. Do you know why you have scars? They remind you it don't hurt anymore. I've got a big old one right here of a 16-penny nail that went through my forearm. I remember the circumstance, Phyllis, but I don't remember the hurt. I, I can tell you why that happened, but I don't remember how bad it hurt. I got a scar on my shins about that long. And I can tell you, I got it from doing exactly what my mama told me not to do. <laughs> Imagine that. I got it from climbing on a school bus that she said don't climb on. I fell off, cut my leg down to the bone. But I don't remember how bad it hurt. Women, you know it hurt. You know it was bad. But yet you sign up to do it a few more times. Why? Because the joy that it produced outweighs that. See, joy will go past the hurt. Joy will go past the hurt and will find the promise. And if I'm walking in bitterness, I'm walking in mutual ugh, towards somebody, animosity, I'm just hostile, ill will. Variance, discord, I'm, I'm, I'm operating in all these things. I'll never find joy. Bitterness always has its root in anger. Because whatever happened to you made you angry. And it made you angry for so long that now you're bitter. And anytime you think of so-and-so, you can rile yourself up. Because why? Because all of a sudden you'll start criticizing. Here, God gave me a few, Holy Spirit gave me a few statements for you today. He said, show me a critical person and I'll show you a, a person who finds something wrong with everything and everybody. And I'll show you a bitter person that'll never know the joy of the Lord. You'll have moments of happiness and moments of goosebumps. Goosebumps goes away. Philippians chapter 2. Everybody's still good, right? I've got just a few more. 
we can go home and breathe easy. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, again out of the voice. He, he said, said, do all things without complaining. I should just sit down right now. We're going home, there you go. <laughs> There's your word for the day. Do all things without complaining or bickering with each other. Just don't raise your hands. Do you know a complainer that always finds the wrong? I'll show you a person that always struggles to find joy in their life. They're, they're, they'll look for happiness, but they're not finding joy. Oh, come on. Somebody smile at me. Let me know it's okay. Do all things without complaining or bickering with each other. Verse 15. So you will, so you will be found innocent and blameless. You are God's children called to live without a single strain on your reputations among the perverted and crooked generation. Shine like the stars across the land. You know how you shine like the stars? When you're full of joy. Anybody see the moon last night? Man, wasn't that awesome? It looked like it was sitting on the ground. You don't want to know how you shine that big? is when you're full of joy because nobody wants to go around a complaining, hateful person. <laughs> Let's take it a step further. Holy Spirit said, show me a person that does nothing but complain and argue and I'll show you a person who is bitter and will miss out on my joy. So if that fits you, stop. But I don't agree. That's okay. You don't have to. It's okay. You don't have to. But what you can control is complaining about it. What you can control is going over here and whispering in Ted's ear to try to get him on your side. Or you know Ted agrees with you, so we're going to form an alliance. And now we both don't agree. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to walk over here and I'm going to get Brandon. I'm going to say, Brandon, come over here. Let us tell you what we don't agree with, what we don't like. And Brandon said, you know what? I never thought about it. You ever heard somebody say that when you're complaining to them? Well, I never thought about it. You should have left them alone. And they would have never thought about it. They didn't have the problem till you came along. Maybe what you don't... <laughs> Maybe what you don't like is not the problem. Maybe it's you. Because he never thought about it till me and Ted got involved. And if we would have left him alone, he probably never would have thought about it. But because we didn't like it. And now I'm not joyful. I'm just ticked off. And I got two more guys ticked off with me. And we're looking around and saying, who else can we corrupt and steal their joy? Because Brandon was, he was just giddy, man. He's living his life. Everything's great. He's smiling. He said, look, I'm coming. Everything's good. And all of a sudden, he got around us two pounds. And we corrupted him. We sowed a seed of corruption in him. And now he starts running his mouth and talking about it. What's he doing? Sowing to his flesh. And he had never thought about it before. You can't find joy this way. Last one. He, no, not the last one. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Hey, you guys are sitting well for this. Usually right now people give up and got mad. Look what he says in Hebrews 12, 15. Watch out, I'm ready. this is the passion. He says, watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. And make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting from within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. You know why? Misery loves. And if I could make somebody else miserable with me, all the better. 
the root of bitterness in my heart has the ability to corrupt many. And now I'm not the only one missing out on walking in the fruit of joy. Now Ted's walking in the fruit of, uh, uh, now Ted's missing out on the fruit of joy. Now Brandon's missing out on the fruit of joy. And how many others are missing out? And you know who started this mess? Me. I should have kept my mouth shut. But no, wasn't good enough. Had to go get somebody else on my side. Because the more people we can get on our side, we can change this. Moving on. Lastly, fear. Fear will steal your joy faster than anything. Fear will steal your joy. Fear is this. That got funky. Uh, fear is a painful emotion excited by the expectation of evil. Didn't say evil's present. It said you expect it. Why? Because you're going to get what you sow. And if you expect it to go wrong, guess what? Fear is a painful emotion or passion excited by the expectation of evil or the apprehension of impending danger. Ooh, this is going to get bad. This is going to get bad. I feel like this is going to get bad. I feel like this is going to get bad. And then you're laying up at night and you can't sleep. There's no joy. It's an easiness of the mind upon the thought of future evil likely to befall us. If, it's, if, it, if it can go wrong with anybody. I've heard people speak this over their whole family, Ted. If it's going to go wrong, it's going to happen to a Davis. I ain't putting that on my family. He's put on yours. If it's going to go wrong, it's going to happen to a day. We're always, we're always creating reality by the seeds of, of words. Because we're speaking spirits. It's fear. It's likely to happen. It didn't say it would happen. It said it could happen. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21. Out of the message. Dear friend, guard clear thinking and common sense with your life. <laughs> Don't for a minute lose sight of them. They will keep your soul alive and well. They'll keep you fit and attractive. You'll travel safely. You'll neither tire nor trip. You'll take afternoon naps without a worry. By just guarding clear thinking. If you're afraid, you don't, you're not thinking clear. You're looking how to protect your selfish interests then. He said, I love, I love the message. You'll take afternoon naps without a worry. You'll enjoy a good night's sleep. Anybody want that? Fear, man, get rid of it. <laughs> Trust God. He said, you'll take afternoon naps without a worry. You'll enjoy a good night's sleep. Love it. Love the, love the message. No need to panic over alarms or surprises. My brother-in-law, he, 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 he tells his, his kids all the time, you know, they're talking, they're like teenagers or in their 20s. We're going to go to a haunted house or we're going to go. And he says, why are you paying to sin? You're saying all this is sin? I'm not saying that. I'm telling you what he said. You judge for yourself. But the word does says, fear not. So we put fear in us. We put fear in us and we pay somebody to do it. Which is completely opposite of what Scripture says. Well, those things don't scare me. Good for you. You're probably past it. Go have a good time. But if it's putting fear in you, well, come on. No need to panic over surprises. I didn't see this coming, God. Okay. It happens. It pops up in everybody's mind. <laughs> 
But that's as far as it should go. Because you can cast down imaginations. You take control of your thoughts. Come on. He said, no need to panic over alarms or surprises. Or predictions. That doomsday is just around the corner. Man, Galen, you know how many people get mad at me? Because I don't talk about the end time stuff. You know why? I ain't worried about it. It don't. Why, as believers, are you afraid of the end time? Who cares? How many times do you think about dying? I never think about it. Never goes through my mind. Ever. I never think about it. Why? I'm not afraid of it. What's the worst that can happen? It kill me? <laughs> Folks, we find everything in the world to be afraid of. What if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? And now I can't sleep at night. I can't take me a good nap during the afternoon. I'm panicky. I'm going on, and there's nothing going right. And they say doomsday's just around the corner. We're going to hell in a handbasket. Everything's falling apart. Blah, 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 blah. Verse 26, because God will be right there with you. He will keep you safe and sound, and in his presence is fullness of joy. So many times we let fear keep us from experiencing the joy of the Lord and, 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 and fear of what may be, fear of what may come, fear of something that's completely unwarranted, and yet we had a famous politician one time say there is nothing to fear but fear itself. Proverbs chapter 17. We're going to close with this scripture. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. I, I want to challenge some of you. This will be on uh, YouTube tomorrow. You can watch it. It'll be on Facebook tonight. If you, if you uh, uh, listen to the podcast, that's just the messages, it'll be up tomorrow afternoon sometime. Some of you need to really let this ring about, about twice a day. Go back and listen to it. But man, you preached for an hour today. Okay, what's two hours of your day? To make sure you're walking in joy. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 22 no, 17, verse 22. A joyful heart is good medicine. But depression dries up one's strength. And that choice is completely, and I'm ta talking about medical, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking to attitudinal depression here. But sometimes you fix your attitudinal depression, you might be, be amazed at what God does with the serotonin level in your brain. Ah, it's all it goes together. He created it. He knows what works, Jody. A joyful heart is good medicine. Why am I struggling with sickness? Maybe you need some joy. Well, how do I get this joy? Maybe you get in the presence of God. Maybe you quit worrying, quit being selfish. You start looking out for the needs of others and let God take care of your needs. Because after all, he said, he'll supply all mine. Well, if he's going to supply all my needs, why in the world am I out here trying to do it? Don't I trust him? Or is he just not good enough for me? Come on. A joyful heart is good medicine, but depression dries up one's strength. So how do I do this? Number one, let the Holy Spirit fill you and lead you. This is how we get there. Let the Holy Spirit fill you and lead you. Walk with the Lord, not just live in Him. Put away selfishness. This is true. These are things that you can do. Put away selfishness. Live for others first. 
Get rid of bitterness. Forgive the way that you've been forgiven. Drop the grudges. These are choices. And lastly, trust that he has your best interest in heart. And let go of fear. And now, you'll experience joy because all that's left is him. I got rid of all of that. Now I find myself that's all I got left is him. And when I'm with him and it's just he and I, then his presence is full of joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. God, I don't do it right all the time, but I'm trying. Help me. Help me get it right. Help me to remind myself and remember that your presence is all I need. That your presence is truly all I need because when I'm there, then I am full, full, full of joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have prayer people that's coming to the front right now. If you want prayer, Kevin really wants to pray with you. If you want prayer, Jody really wants to pray with you. If you need prayer, Linda really wants to pray. You know why? Because they know the God we're talking about this morning. And they want to pray with you about everything so that your joy can be full. Amen? Amen. Have a great day.